This is the Risky Mix podcast, where we speak with those people changing the mix in the insurance industry. Sharing their personal journeys, their inspirational stories, and answering the questions we all want answered. You're listening to Raj and Katie. We really hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Today on the Risky Mix podcast, we're joined by the head of AXA Next Lab Europe and a lady who was announced as one of the top 17 powerful women in InsureTech 2020, identifying the most influ- influential women in insurance innovation. It's Parol Green. Thanks for joining us on the remote Risky Mix podcast today, Parol. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Raj, and you? Yeah, very well, thank you, in our, our new remote world. <laughs> um, Thank you for joining us. I, I want to kick off with uh, a sort of personal question just to get to know you a little bit better. What are three words that you would use to describe yourself? Uh, well, uh, as of, I think these are more aspirational. But I think curious, compassionate and courageous. The three C's. Lovely. I like that. Is that alliteration? I don't know. I didn't put too much thought. It just seemed to rhyme. Is that, is that right, Raj? Have I got that right? It is. It is alliteration, yeah. yeah. Raj is a writer, so she, uh, she knows what she's talking about. <laughs> Fantastic. And, um, I mean, obviously, you you were, you know, one of the most influential women in InsureTech. Um, so it'd be really interesting to hear sort of your career journey to date and, and how you've navigated your way to the position that you're in today. Well, um, interestingly, I never set out to be a business person. Um, when I was growing up, I wanted to be a movie maker. Oh, uh, wow. Yes. That is quite uh, different. That was very different. I used to do a lot of uh, theater production in uh, university. I did a whole lot of... Uh, I would have been a TikTok person if, I, if TikTok were alive. <laughs> Uh, short plays, short videos, sketches, etc. Mostly wow. for my university um, and for my college and school. Uh, but um, it, as is uh, the bane of um, um, all middle class people, you've got to have a job which pays decent <laughs> money. Which is uh, which is why I kind of uh, was steered into uh, doing uh, economics and then MBA. Started working. Um, uh, joined as a management associate in Citigroup, um, and then um, did a startup stint, which went bust. But the VC that um, that uh, that uh, funded it decided that I had some skill sets in investing, so I worked mm-hmm. with them. Right. Okay. Yeah, and then uh, we invested in all manners of things: uh, healthcare, um, aerospace, defense, um, and and and. Uh, uh, actually, vineyards and almond orchards in California as well. That's wow. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, and then I kind of um, uh, decided to move back into Big Corp, um, which was um, Aviva Investors. Um, I became their global head of M&A and uh, strategy. Mm-hmm. And then I moved to AXA, did M&A, innovation and strategy. So innovation was a new thing. Yeah. So that's where I am now. That's such an interesting journey um, and really impressive as well. How did you continue to keep ahead of some of the new emerging trends in the in the financial services industry? Well, just be out and about talk, talking to people. It's, uh, it's, it's one of the things that uh, interests me. And as I said, 
abdominally curious. I always want to know what's happening. So um, it's um, I, I go out and speak to people who are doing interesting things uh, within the industry, within technology sector, speak to people who are coming up with new companies, startups, which are bringing in technology to an insurance use case. So I wouldn't say I keep on top of it, but I keep interested in it and therefore hopefully uh, learn a lot. Uh, but it is, it, is, uh, it, it is hard to keep on top of all of those things. You know? there's, there's lots of change going on. It's, yeah. it's kind of constant, isn't it? So, so you're, you're in a fortunate position, I suppose, where you're at the forefront and actually seeing a lot of innovative, smaller startups adopting technology. I mean, where do you think we're going in terms of insurance and technology? What do you see on the horizon in terms of new tech that we, you know, we should be thinking about? So when I look at the insurance value chain in itself, the kind of technologies that are coming into play um, have a very profound effect because insurance in itself, as you're an actuary, Kate, you would know too, it is a data-based industry. And how we ingest data and what kind of insights we drive from the data um, are becoming more and more um, um, extensive. There is so much real-time data that we receive about the risks in the world, uh, the way the economies respond to these risks, the way individuals respond to these, these risks are, can be monitored now. So we are almost in a surveillance society where everything is being monitored. Uh, that's just the actuarial part, but even consumers are demanding that um, insurance be more um, useful to them rather than a quote and buy and then claims journey be more uh, helpful when in their time of need so that means being there when they where they are so uh, the interfaces voice interfaces uh, mobile interfaces um, and other interfaces are coming in in claims management you see computer vision replacing loss adjustment um, so there's a whole host of technologies throughout the insurance value chain, which are changing the way we currently do business. So it's, 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 it's a very interesting time and it's only going to speed up. So we have to keep um, at it, um, work with startups which are innovative so that they speed up our deployment and also remain humble that we may be big today. We could be very small very quickly because we haven't imputed the right technology or price wrong. And I, I suppose, yeah, you're, you're speaking to a lot of founders. Um, and as you know, we, on the podcast, we like to talk a bit about diversity and inclusion. Um, and, and do you see many female founders coming to you? I mean, the, the insurance space is, is not quite as diverse as it could be, I suppose. Um, you know, what types of people are you seeing who are starting these businesses? So um, in terms of founders, uh, female founders specifically, we, I see a lot of female founders who come in in health tech. Okay. There is um, a lot of femtech founders uh, uh, specifically working on women, women's health issues. Right. It's, it's, it's a big market, women's health, and it yeah. has been underserved. A lot yeah. of health interventions are um, by nature designed for men which right, means yeah. that they don't suit women so there is a a, a, a big space um, which 
is 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 left behind and women uh, founders who sometimes they are they have uh, actually gone through the pain of having uh, not the right kind of support or are uh, uh, medical practitioners in the space or founders who think uh, former founders or serial entrepreneurs or co-founders who found this as an interesting niche so they come in and speak to us and 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 they're very passionate and also they, they've lived through it so they, they they have a lot of empathy towards uh, this um, uh, this this market um, what I find is um, uh, some male investors tend to minimize the importance of this segment because of lack of understanding because right. of lack of curiosity towards that so that 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 really harms uh, the uh, women founders in terms of uh, access to uh, uh, investor cash so if you look at um, in the european vc market um, only 8% of funding goes to mixed founders and if you and 92% of funding goes to all male founders and if you just put a subset of only female founder the number is heartbreakingly shocking 0.4 percent of funding goes to um, female founders what? only so it, it is it is it is it is it is uh, very very discouraging um, and then year on year we have all these discussions about um, promote uh, uh, giving more funding to to female founders and sometimes it just turns into a rhetoric it, i know female founders who pitch in front of um, of investors and they get asked irrelevant questions which have nothing to do with um, with, with their uh, use case and if their if their business case has ambitious numbers um, they are made to feel as if they won't be able to reach those numbers. But the same kind of pressure does not get put on uh, a male founder who is of those very desirable Silicon Valley bro traits. It's, it's, yeah. it's a very vicious circle because you are by the investor community and, 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 and it's a very influential investor community says a lot and doesn't do that much to, to, towards changing this balance which 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 is a hard pill to swallow for a lot of female founders and a source of a lot of frustration so i mean first of all i, I think that's it doesn't make financial sense because i mean obviously fintech um companies and 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 female founders looking at things like women women's health they're essentially creating a solution for half the population who have significant socioeconomic power so financially it doesn't make sense and then um from an investment perspective are we seeing the same sort of splits in demographic um from investors so are most investors um providing those funding flows male and and that is also an issue and what's stopping females from investing so yes a lot of um of of founders uh, of investors are also men um some of the serial entrepreneurs um uh, the the ones which abound in silicon valley and i'm not going to name names there they just uh, invest in people who look like them so right. it, it is it is it is hard and then when you have um, venture capital has this uh, really interesting um, uh, 
dynamic in that uh, you when you're fundraising from institutional investors and private wealth uh, because it's such a high risk activity people tend to invest in people who have track record which means that new people are not given chances so that this it perpetuates the same kind of people it's changing i think uh, a, a lot of um, affirmative action needs to be take place and when some really lame people say oh but i want to be there on merit uh, or uh, we choose merit you kind of look back at them you did not get here by merit you got here the way you look that the family you got raised in because nobody questioned your right to be here and that that complete lack of um self realization that you know you are not god's gift to humankind <laughs> others yeah. deserve the place as well yeah. so it's 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 um it's 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 not easy it's not easy um um not being the elite set and trying to get that uh, high risk funding uh, interested in you i'm shocked by that 0.4% is that so that's female founders across all industries is it that's european venture capital oh it, um, yeah this is a statistics where a statistic where every year this number gets released by um it's called the state of european tech report which um atomico releases every year right. and and this is the stat i'm giving you is 2019 statistics wow Founders. that's just amazing and very interesting what you're saying about kind of the challenging questions i suppose that some of the female founders are getting that some of the men aren't getting i mean where are they coming from is that kind of a subconscious thing that is is it just simply because they don't look like the investors and that's why those questions are coming up it there is there is element of um unconscious bias there is element of uh, of of this is acceptable so i will continue to keep doing it because no one who is um, uh, the, the set is exactly like you rather that there is no there are no outsiders who could question how dare you ask such a question to that woman and not to that man so yeah. and as there is a lack of courage as well so if a senior partner is putting these questions and an associate feels uncomfortable do you speak up or not uh, so th- those th- th- there there are a whole lot of uh, unconscious bias power hierarchies um and um and and also um uh, th- th- there is acceptance of poor behavior which w- which uh, tends to perpetuate it or just realization that this is not this is appalling behavior no realization so what what is it that um needs to be done to increase the diversity amongst the thinking and amongst venture capitalism and and um entrepreneurship I mean I'm assuming this isn't just applicable to sort of the to gender diversity. Uh it's the same sort of things when it comes to sort of ethnic diversity and um other other forms of diversity. So this is this is very interesting. I think um one of the things that you did ask me to comment about is intersectionality. And um what the statistics that that is very interesting is uh, most of the waves of feminism have benefited mostly white middle class women 
uh, all the income increases and lifestyle increases, especially in in U.S. and and in Europe, have attributed to uh, these um, this subset of population, which has led for these waves of feminism to be um, uh, derogatorily termed as white feminism. They said the, f- the first wave of feminism which happened, which suffragettes got the right to vote, there was, there now we hear stories about the, uh, the elite suffragettes actually, uh, uh, when they were, it was suggested that, um, that uh, poorer and 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 um, um, black women were given rights. Actually, actively opposed it. Mm. And then, uh, second wave of feminism uh, s- still benefit benefited uh, middle class um, uh, and um, women from elite elitist to more middle class women. And what 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 they what it completely missed is there is a very different form of oppression which is faced by people who who lack privileges and these privileges which get ascribed because of um color of your skin because of where you're born or where you speak so um, and all these are not um are not distinct they compound they go on top of each other to make this a person who has many of these intersectional uh, features which open them to oppression feel feel actually completely left out in the society and this was around i think late 80s um um um, Columbia Law School uh, professor Kimberly Crenshaw came uh, came up with the term intersectionality, which which defined the structures of oppression that people uh, face uh, because of their yeah. ethnicity, sexuality, and economic background, amongst many. So what we we do find, and I don't have statistics, but uh, I remember listening to Arlen Hamilton, who is the who who is um, a managing partner of Backstage Capital, which invests only in um, in in um, women, black minority ethnic, economically poor founders, and um, so she was stating that um, that some of the founders who have these intersectional characteristics find it really extremely hard to uh, fundraise, mm-hmm. and um, Arlen herself, she is. Um, she is. Um, she used to be homeless, uh, and um, and and she is. Um, uh, she is sure. gay, and she is um, also um, African American. So she's she she has through her lived experience yeah. faced faced this. So she's trying to alleviate this through backstage capital. So it's 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 not just venture capital. It's it's all all over the society you see statistics that are coming out from covid crisis that 63% of the deaths of medical professionals are at black and minority ethnic uh, um, um, uh, community why is that is that because they are ignored when ppe is being distributed people are talking about comorbidities and blaming it on the way people live but this this needs to be studied. These, there is a whole host of things that are prevalent in the society which are not acceptable, where people 
of certain backgrounds suffer much more than the other and get excluded much more than the other, which is, and, and I have a, a, a lot mm -hmm. of um, interest in and, and passion for making things inclusive. And when I say inclusive, it's just not one uh, people who look like me should be given all the privileges. It's just people mm -hmm. should be included. We shouldn't have a world where 50% of the population has no health care is poor and can't rise up. Absolutely. And I mean, so I know that AXA has been doing some great work in terms of, um, you know, funding micro businesses. Yeah. Um, and obviously that's something that you're passionate about. So what is it that you um, think we should be doing and what has AXA been doing in terms of sort of changing the dial on this? So AXA has a very, very interesting um, uh, proposition or department called um, Emerging Customers. And uh, it it's works in 11 countries uh, across um, Asia, Africa, and LATAM. Um, and has 10 million customers, I want to say. Um, uh, so what it does, it, 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 um, it um, works with microfinance institutions and um, it develops um, uh, covers, specific uh, microinsurance covers, uh, which it tries to distribute through digital first um, media, through mobile telephony. And they try to make these covers simple, no um, painful languages, no thousands of exclusion, affordable at affordable price point and easy to claim for. They try to, um, uh, to and, and then what, why, why it is helpful is because uh, these emerging customers are trying um, to build enterprise and are emerging from being uh, level four and level three of um, economic stratification. Um, so amongst the poorer, they're trying to rise up and they're building enterprise, they're build, bringing out new uh, um, um, uh, products and bringing their family out of poverty. Uh, and having a fairly simple insurance product in case they feel uh, they, they, they face hardship so that they don't again dip down into poverty is, is interesting. Uh, it's an interesting way to uh, support entrepreneurship at, uh, at, at uh, um, levels which are uh, more micro and also um, enhancing um, the ability of a large set of population to to, to contribute uh, uh, to um, local economies and their families. Sounds fantastic. And you're also doing some kind of financial education, aren't you, um, as, a, as a business at, at that kind of micro level, is that right? Yes, this, it's, it's part of this um, entire emerging customers. There is a lot of uh, um, financial education which is distributed through communities uh, micro uh, communities uh, memberships and community groups which support uh, these uh, members. Uh, we work with them, as I said, close to 50 partners. Some of them uh, run these communities um, and, and and support indi um, and individuals looking for help. There's also digital tools to help them. So there is a, a, a whole ecosystem uh, which is available through partners, uh, which uh, we, we make available to these uh, micro-entrepreneurs. Great. And do you have any um, tips or advice for, um, uh, for entrepreneurs who are looking for venture capital, um, who might be for, from um, 
backgrounds that are, I guess, intersectional. So, but whether that be gender or, or ethnicity or um, economic background, um, any tips for them to uh, approach the process of, of uh, seeking funding? So, one is uh, this is an advice to to um, everybody who, irrespective, one form be part of a community where you could exchange tips on um, which we see is 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 uh, more amenable to the areas that you are looking to invest in. Because if you if you all VCs are not equal, they have their um, um, investment philosophies, investment processes, and also sector sector specific interest and stage of um, stage of uh, financing where they come in at. Be sure to go to those who are specifically catering to 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 your subset. Talk to fellow founders and find out from experience uh, what uh, what kind of questions these people ask. What is of interest to them? Um, building a whole network um, which supports you can be a, a very good way of learning before approaching VCs. And what is um, what, what is very interesting to know is that VCs are not the only source of funding. You, you should explore other sources of funding uh, which are not uh, venture capital. There could be grants which are given to your uh, specific in, industry, to micro um, entrepreneurs or to startups in specific areas. Um, there is um, there there could be loans which are offered startup loans which are offered government uh, and other foundation subsidies which you could be getting especially in health tech where the, 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 these are uh, available so work and and then finally if you are going to uh, to to VCs just just grow a really strong um, I don't know what to say shield. Because you know, it, it's, it, people are uh, pe- whatever people say. It, it's 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 take on the good part, but don't right. carry the bad part with you. Because uh, it, it's 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 it, it can erode you, but mm. you shouldn't be. You have to keep your optimism because it's 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 some of the things they say are not about you. It's about them. So. <laughs> you've got really to dist- yeah. distance yourself from um, uh, um, take the good feedback but don't get disheartened by negative feedback join communities speak to mentors ask mentors to help you um, there is a, a, a lot of support going a lot of good people who could help you I, th- I think that's great advice and, and I guess you have to be very resilient when you're going through funding given all this feedback and, and things like that you just need to bounce back and like you say don't take it too personally because the person giving the feedback may be the one that has the the slight issue so um yeah that's that's very good advice um we have sadly run out of time today on the on the podcast but thank you so much for joining us it's been a fascinating conversation i think some of the stats you've given are shocking um absolutely shocking but uh thank you for your time it's been really great chatting you're very welcome thank you for your time thanks for listening today if you'd like to get in touch you can do so via our twitter account at risky mix we'd love to hear your thoughts and questions And if you know any inspirational women in the industry who you think would be great for the Risky Mix podcast, get in touch. See you next week.